Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Final. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa, and this is our 2017-18 National Hockey League season inaugural podcast. Thank you guys all for, for your continued support as, as we go into the first season with the Golden Knights as being part of the National Hockey League. Uh, definitely going to be an increased increased focus on the Golden Knights now that there's actually players to talk about, and, and we're going to be playing games here very shortly. Uh, as a matter of fact, Rookie Camp is on, and I'll be there today. Uh, posting pictures on our Twitter feed at Vegas Hockey Pod. So uh, tune into the Twitter feed after the podcast. I'll be at the rookie camp all day checking out what things look like down there. Uh, we got good news for this season. The show is continuing to expand. We've been picked up by two, two uh, internet networks, Sportsology and Grand, Grandstand Sportsnet. I'm going to throw this over to Chris and welcome him into the show, and he can give us all the specifics on that. Good day to you, Chris. Good day to you, buddy. Uh, yeah, so Grandstand Sports, you can find it at grandstandsportsnet.com, and they're on Twitter at grandstand underscore SN, uh, and also Sportsology, uh, you can find uh, that's Russ Cohen's site. You can find him on Twitter at Sportsology, and just search for the we're going to be part of Sportsology's Blog Talk Radio page as well. So just go to Blog Talk Radio, put in Sportsology, and follow the Old Brick Road. So very excited to to join uh, those folks on. And in fact, you know today starts our uh, uh, September preview show. So we have today we're doing the Central Division. Um, you know, next week we're doing the Atlantic with Chad Dominguez, who's part of Grandstand Sports, follows the Buffalo Sabres. And in two weeks' time, uh, we're doing the Metro Division um, with Russ Cohen uh, from Sportsology. So it will be great to have both of them Very on nice. the show. And today we, we have a good old guest in Matt Pryor to break down the Central, which is a fascinating division. And, of course, the great Dana Lane, which we'll have him 
just about every week as long as he can make it for the Vegas Lane segment. And don't don't worry, folks out there, all you JD Style fans, we have him last but certainly not least at the end of the month to break down the Pacific. So, uh, and he's with Cali Sports News. So, uh, you know, last year each year has gotten uh, even better uh, from, uh, from my perspective. And uh, sir, I think we're going to have a. This this season's going to be even better than the prior years. I'm really excited about uh, this season coming up, both for the show and and the National Hockey League. Absolutely, and let me full disclosure here. I've uh, real life's kind of kicked me in the teeth here for the last month and a half or so, and we wouldn't have this outstanding lineup that we have to kick off the season without Chris's content management and dedication to keeping the show going forward. I I kind of texted him earlier in the week. and that without him right now, the the show would be adrift in a in a windless sea. Uh, so, Chris, sir, I, I appreciate your hard work to keep things going while uh, we were do- going through everything that we had to go through here in the last five to six weeks. Uh, it, just at the very bottom of the scale, uh, try going three weeks without the internet nowadays. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not a it's even with your phone, uh, not having internet. Is I, I had no idea how embroiled your life. I mean, something as simple as trying to pay your power bill. If you're if uh, if you can't just log in, click your app, click make payment, and and move on with your life. Uh, it's it's unbelievable how far into the, our lives that the internet has woven itself, unless you try and live without it for for three four weeks. And I know it sounds like first world problems and belly aching and whatever, but it, 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 if you if anyone wants to give it a shot uh, and get back to me, uh, you can email me, markwarner at vegashockeypodcast.com, and let me know what your experiences was. For me, it didn't really work too well at all. So, Chris, thank you, sir, for your continued efforts at, at keeping the show going while we were on our vacation. We were trying to do a couple of shows over the summer, and, and for a lot of reasons, we just couldn't get that done. But we are back. We are live. And and it's really good to just be able to sit down and talk hockey and get rid of some of that stuff for the next hour or so, especially with the Dana coming in, uh, focus on some Golden Knights and some UNLV Rebel talk, kick the season off. I'm sure I'll be running into Dana later on at the rookie camp. And then with our good friend Matt Pryor coming in, you can follow him at Big Tex 1926 on Twitter um, for all of his Dallas Stars and Florida Panthers content that he posts at thehockeywriters.com so chris uh first blush out of the gate here let's uh break the ice but other than the golden knights joining the national hockey league which obviously is the biggest story and is the kickoff to i'll use not kickoff to drop the puck with this year in the national hockey league um what are we looking at as far as big big news to start the season with sir well there's been some rumblings that Matt Duchesne, it's possible he might be a no-show in training camp. Now, you know, again, his, his, apparently his agent and him are not happy. We've talked about this at nauseum. But just, a, you know, this could be a story if he does not show up to camp. There was some kind of team outing that he didn't go to. wasn't mandatory or anything, I believe, uh, with the, with some of the other players. and. I guess, you know, his his agent, I believe his name is Pat Brisson, if memory serves, was one of the most high-powered agents uh, in the NHL. And from what he has heard, that the Avalanche have gotten a number of solitude offers from Matt Duchesne, uh, and offers that what Colorado should be looking for. 
and um, and they haven't they haven't budged from their you know high asking price to say the least. So I don't you know that's something to follow. You know Joe Sackick has been so dug in that I don't know if that would solve the problem. Believe it or not, I don't. He might just say okay, fine. You know so I I you know it's a story to watch in terms of September stories. You know we had Ryan Ellis. Uh, yesterday, the news broke. He's going to be out for a bit of time. Yeah. Uh, I believe from knee surgery, so you're probably not you're not going to see him until January at the earliest. But uh, you know what? Uh, as long as he comes back uh, all ready to go, um, you know they have plenty of defensemen on that team. Remember, they picked up Emelin uh, from uh, from Vegas yes, they so, did. Uh, to, to, to get some extra depth. So they should be fine. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, all the different training camps. Um, and, you know, we're going to be talking about the Central today, and it's a fascinating division to me because while the Avalanche are arguably the worst team in the league, um, uh, to me the other six teams are really, really good. Uh, I want to get Matt Pryor's thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets uh, as well. To me, that uh, they're, they're a sleeper of mine so uh, uh, team this year. So, yeah, this is a this is a real you know what? I mean I, I would think if you were it's most hockey people, Winnipeg aside, the other five teams in the division, if I said to them, you know, they're gonna make the Western Conference finals this year, I don't think anyone would be surprised by that fact. Um no, probably not. Um I'm not really we talked about it a little bit over the summer where I'm not I'm not really sold on what Chicago did in the off season and we can get to that a little bit later in the show. Yeah. Um St. Louis seems to have, have lost more than they've gained. Um so I and, and I'm not a big Yeah, but when you lose uh David Perron and you know, that's not an even trade off if you ask me. <laughs> okay. Braden Sean's a nice a nice fifty point player. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I'm not I, I don't want to get too far into it yet, but I think maybe St. Louis right. takes a step back. Minnesota was on fire to start the year last year, and then mid January, late January, just nose dive. The, tra- the trade deadline. For the it's a trade deadline. Yeah, they made all those um, moves, and then they just fell apart. They they could they yeah. wouldn't lose a game and then all of a sudden they they added uh, a Martin Hansel and uh, they added um, the other kid from Arizona uh, White I believe uh, Ryan White yeah, yeah. if memory serves correct and it looked like deep and uh, yeah they got they you know St Louis went through them I mean the games were competitive but I believe they lost if memory serves correct they lost five games so uh, they they have a lot to prove obviously. With Bruce Boudreau as well, you know, great regular seasons, but early playoff exit. So, uh, you know, can Nashville get back again. there again? You know, um, it, it's it, – and uh, who, who am I forgetting here? Nashville. Uh, so, it, it's, uh, it's it's a heck of a division, uh, to say the least. Uh, and Dallas, of course. But there's also so – they they, There's also some question marks. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I and think Dallas, Dallas. Did anyone I mean, make? I, mean, I want Did anyone make? Yeah. Did anyone make more big moves than Dallas? I think out of all the teams in the Central Division, the changes that they made will most improve their their play. 
last last year the theme in the central division was every team was was almost going through a mini rebuild it seemed like and this year uh dallas and you start at the top with lindy ruff and work your way down with hitchcock and uh radulov is a risk i think a little bit overturned bringing in mark Mathot to kind of backstop klingberg the way he backs off carlson uh, I think that's an under-the-radar move that's going to pay big dividends on that defense. Um, Absolutely. And, and a couple other moves that, that uh, you, you know, yeah, they picked two up years pants. ago they were they the Western Pantel. Conference Finals and and kind of let, you know, Patrick Sharp go, and, and, and Oduya's gone now. So the, the two guys yep. that they brought in three years ago or to, uh, that brought that tough experience to the locker room that I'm very high on, uh, they're not there. But then we've got, what, five minutes into the conversation and didn't even mention the fact that the goaltending issues have been solved in a big way with Ben Bishop coming in to anchor the Nets. Um, I really, really like what Dallas did in the offseason. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, they're they're uh, going to be right there in the mix. So uh, I think getting off to a good start is going to be key. You don't want to fall too far behind in that essential division. And uh, we're only going to predict, I'll give you another teaser, we're only going to predict the top three teams in the Central today, but uh, we're not going to give our wild cards until we do the Pacific, but uh, I can very easily see both wild cards coming out of the Central. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that's a a very, I'd put money on that right now. Yeah, I could. When you when you look at the when you look at the bottom of the Pacific and you're going to have, I mean in 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 any order you're going to have Vancouver, Arizona and Vegas somewhere in the bottom three of that division and you're going to have Edmonton, Anaheim and L.A. somewhere at the top of that division. Um, okay, where's and the wild Calgary. card come from? That and, and Cal, Calgary's going to be in the mix, but I I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'm, you know, it may, it may come down to that fifth wild, or that second wild card being between Calgary and Winnipeg. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, not to get too far ahead, but uh, one thing to say for the Pacific teams is they're going to have extra games against those uh, teams building towards the future, as you mentioned. Whereas the Central, other than Colorado, uh, any uh, you know those in division games is going to be a tough a tough game no matter who you play. So. The schedule will favor the Pacific team, so that might help them a bit uh, in terms of those wild cards. So, but you know, uh, we'll get we'll we'll break all that down as the uh, probably in our Pacific show we pick our wild cards and some of the fall as the year goes on as well. So, uh, do we have Dana on the line? Um, I don't see Dana on there yet. I was just going to say, uh, full disclosure, I'm running around this morning, so I'm. If you hear some ambient noise in the background right now, that's me stopping at the gas station. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I wanted to get, as, as since we're talking about the Pacific just a little bit before Dana does join us, what do you think about the Golden Knights? And what are they, a 25-win team, a 30-win team? What do you uh, just – there's going to be a lot of people gone at the trade deadline, let's face it. Uh, James right. Neal's probably going to be likely. gone. Um, so, yeah. 
at that point, are, are we going to get to 30 wins in Vegas? Well, I guess there's two points to bring up that in terms of, you know, where are they going to finish? A uh, big question I have with uh, with the Knights is, uh, and this would be for anyone given this circumstance, is other than a couple of players, you're having a you're have you're going to have a, uh, 20 players who pretty much have never played with each other, uh, pretty much have Absolutely. never played under Galan, haven't played under Galan in his system, uh, you know, new coaches, you know, defensive coaches, special teams coaches, um, all that. So. My question is, you know, the first month to six weeks, you know, how are the Knights going to play? Given that, you know, to me that is uh, uh, that's a that's a that's a tall hurdle for any group of uh, 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 hockey players, um, um, to, to say the least. So uh, they're going to need really good goaltending out of the gate uh, to help overcome uh, that situation. So. And then you and then you brought an excellent point up in terms of when the trade deadline comes around and Las Vegas is right in the mix of things, which you know for a first year franchise, I mean stranger things have happened, but probably not. And then I believe they have is it somewhere around half the roster or players are on their walk year and unrestricted free agents at the end of the year, and you know Vegas are either going to uh, extend those players uh, or feel confident they're going to extend whoever out of that group and the ones they're not, they're getting moved. You know, they're getting moved for future well, draft I... picks, future future players. So Dana is on the line. Welcome to the show once again, Dana Lane. Vegas Hockey Hotline hosts weekdays 12 to 2 on 1100 AM KSHP here in Las Vegas. The play-by-play voice of UNLV Rebels, general all-around Vegas hockey insider. Dana, welcome to another year with the Vegas Hockey Podcast, sir. It's been too long since we spoke. Oh, I agree, man. I'm uh, I'm fired up, as you can imagine, for the upcoming year. I'm at the um, Vegas Golden Knights practice facility as we speak, where I seem to be living for the last week or so. But um, we're, uh, it's crazy to think that we're under a month to go before the home opener when it seems just like yesterday. I was still wondering whether or not we were getting a team. Absolutely correct. And I will be seeing you at the Golden Knights practice facility. Turns out, you know, I just went through through the big move here, and I am like one block east of the practice facility, right off Fort Apache there. So uh, there you go. I will be down there as soon as as soon as we're done with this show, sir. And I will be looking forward to buying you a beverage of your choice. Well, anything that includes the word buying you, I'm in on. So I can't wait to see you. <laughs> I will. I will text you when I get there, and we'll definitely get together, sir. But let's let's kick it off with a little bit of you and LV talk before we dive deep into the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, break down uh, early, early season. Uh, UNLV Rebel Hockey wins the season kickoff. Uh, the move to Division One club hockey, how that's going to affect this team, and and just just a real quick early season synopsis of, of what we can expect from the Rebels, sir. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm telling you, um, uh, just talking to the coaches this week, a lot of them, you know, say, hey, you know, there's a lot of coaches in Division One hockey that keep on telling us that it's going to be a difficult transition and. We're going to struggle and this and that, and that, that may be true and all, but I can tell you this: they did it. They've done a great job recruiting. 
Um, in fact, and this is not to demean the kids that played last year in any way, but I think that there is a definitive difference between the kids that are coming in to play at a D1 program and the kids that were here to play at a Division II program. And I think what's happened is that you have seen um, from the kids that already were here, you saw a definitive commitment from them over the summer. I talked to, I've talked to just about all of them now, and you, there is a definite difference in their commitment to getting to the gym. They committed to nutrition, um, and they're thicker and they're bigger. They hit harder. And I think they're going to have a lot of success. Their, their season starts on the road next uh, on the 15th, which is uh, next week at Arizona State. So uh, that's one of the teams and one of the programs uh, that UNLV is kind of following in their footsteps and, and more on the NCAA right. level. Uh, but certainly there's been a, a relationship between the two programs, and uh, UNLV is going to pay, play more road games than home games, which is – uh, a factor of uh, a first-year team in a new new division, but I, I would say I would right. say uh, the word would be optimistic if, if you're trying to pinpoint it. All right, all right. Well, we're definitely looking forward to that, and make sure make sure you guys are interested in the UNLV Rebel Hockey. Uh, hop onto their YouTube channel uh, during the games and and listen to Dana do the the play-by-play and the color an- analysis. By the way, he's a one-man he's a one-man army up in that booth. So uh, and he does a great job. So make sure make sure when it's time for some rebel hockey, even if you're at the rink, throw throw on YouTube, put your earbuds in, and uh, listen to Dana do a game or two. It's it's a lot of fun. So now let's uh, the meat the meat's on the plate, sir. The like you said back in March 2015, you were the first guy to reach out and offer your assistance with the show, and we're forever in your debt, sir, for all you do for the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And uh, it, it's been a long time coming and it seemed like it, it it at times it was just interminably slow and at times it seemed like it was passing in the blink of an eye but here we are rookie camp is on uh you've been there for a little bit i heard i heard you on the radio this week uh talk about let's talk let's go right to vadim shipachov um you've you've seen him skate a, a couple times now i believe what uh what's you, what's your first thoughts of of Shipichoff and how his skill set is going to fit with the National Hockey League. Well, I mean, look, you know, I said this before jokingly, I, I, I don't have a KHL package, so I haven't been able to watch him. I, I've read <laughs> a lot. I've talked to guys that have seen him, and, and I got to see him uh, definitely very close yesterday and uh, the practice before that. I don't remember seeing him. It uh, doesn't mean he wasn't on the ice, but the, the guys didn't have the names on the back of the jersey, so... I wasn't looking for it, but uh, with that being said, uh, with that being said, yesterday I thought he looked like he belonged, which I think is the number one thing right off the bat. Do you belong with a bunch of these guys? And he, he was playing with the voluntary. Um, uh, the, he was in the voluntary practice, and what that basically is is the veteran guys that I'm not required to be here, but can be here if they choose. And of course, everybody came. It was nice to see. Um, it was nice right. to see Mark Andre Fleury and Pickard on the ice at, at the Absolutely. same time. And you know, honestly, look, he fits in. He was taking pictures with the fans after. Um, he didn't look out of place. But again, it's the beginning of the process. And you know, for a guy that does not speak English, for a guy that really doesn't have a guy on the team that he can lean on except for his interpreter, you know, and, and for a guy that's a long way from home. 
you know, the NHL season is a, is a long season. And I know that, you know, privately in his thoughts, making four and a half million a year, there's a lot of pressure because even myself, you know, we, we throw out, hey, look, you know, this guy is, I think it's fair to say that we're thinking first year he should be a 50-60 guy. And I think he should creep up into a 60-70 yeah. guy after that. And then we'll see, see where he is after that. But they didn't, George McPhee did not bring him in here to be a 40-point guy, I can tell you that. No, no. Um, the, the, the one thing that concerns me about what you're saying is he's in a, he's in a rookie camp with a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And you're saying he fits into that group. I would hope as he gets more comfortable with his surroundings. And obviously it's a huge change coming from the KHL to North America and the language barrier and everything you were just talking about. I would expect by the end of, of the next couple of days of rookie camp for him to be an exceptional standout at 30 years old with international experience rather than well, just fitting in, as you say. Well, he was playing with the voluntary camp guys yesterday when I saw him. So it was one side of the okay. ice was the rookie right, right, guys. Right. On the other side was the voluntary guys. And that's playing with, you know, that's playing with the, the guys that are going to be on this team. So he wasn't, to my knowledge, I didn't see him, was not skating with the rookie guys. He was out there, you know, with, with uh, uh, you know, the guy, Riley Smith, and, and, and the guys that are going to play right, right, right. Um, make, a, make a huge impact. So as far as him being part of that group and fitting in, that was encouraging. But you're right. I mean, if he okay. you know, was playing a course on the other sheet of ice, he would certainly have to stick out. Sure. So today, today's schedule there, uh, for, for anybody listening here in town, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it. It starts at 10 o'clock, and there's a 45-minute uh, session, I think, and then there's another hour session after that. Is that correct? Uh, the way it worked yesterday is it started at 11:30. They went 45 minutes, and then you went over to the other rank where, uh, you know, where the starters or the guys that are going to be in, you know, your top six defensemen, things like that. That's where they were playing, and they went for about two hours. In fact, uh, Murray Craven uh, actually skated with them, and you know that was kind of cool to see them okay. out there. Now, granted, they're going about. 65, 70%, but it's still cool to kind of see him out there skating. Um, as to the time, if you've got a time frame, you're a better man than I. I just know that this was supposed to uh, start today at 1030. It will go about 45 minutes, and then I am assuming that the veterans will be on the other side, although there is a family skate that's going on right now, and then another one that starts at 12. So I'm not sure when, they're, when or if they're going to fit that other voluntary skate in. All right. Well, before we get to before we have to let you go and bring in our guest for the day, uh, I know I know Chris wants to get in here, so uh, he's been pinging my phone here. I'm trying to be a producer driving around with uh, the show going through my personal hotspot and and running the studio board through my iPad while I'm driving. So don't don't call Metro on me. I'm almost <laughs> back to the house. So Chris, let me bring yeah, Chris you're, in you're, and let him finish it. Your show is always going through my personal hotspot. <laughs> hey, Dan, it's great to have you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Dana, it's great to have you. Good. It's great to have you back for another year. Uh, so, Dana, the big story over the summer, uh, one of them in terms of the rumor mill was, you know, the Golden Knights have all these defensemen. I believe they have 10. Is it 10 or is it 11? Uh, Mark Porter, they have 11 right now. The yeah, the top of the show that 
only Shea Theodore, who's the guy you really want to pencil in, uh, is, has options. So how do you see this playing out? Have you heard anything? Um, um, do you think they'll lose a player on waivers? Do you expect a trade or two? Uh, how do you think this is going to play out? Well, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. And, um, you know, obviously it's, you, you know, they still – you still have camp to go through. You you know, there could be injuries. McPhee could deal two or three of these guys in that way. I, I, I'm i pretty sure they're going to carry eight defensemen. So you're looking at either putting, you know, a combination of three, either on waivers or making making deals. Now, um, you know, look, it, they had – we asked McPhee last week, we said, look, you know, what, what is ultimately going to happen with this? And the response was, well, we're going, to let, we're going to let the players decide that. I don't think he's against putting any of these guys on waivers. I, I don't know. You know, like, it, there's a fine line with some of these guys. Like, if you put a Jason Garrison on waivers, of course, he's probably going to clear waivers. But, you know, is that a guy that, that you want down playing in Chicago making $4.6 million? Probably not. And I think this what all this – it stems around is the fact that they're trying to find a way to get Shea Theodore in the lineup because he's the, yeah. uh, he's the only guy that, you know, really he's your best defenseman that by everybody else um, you're looking at, you're looking at waivers. So, you know, Brad Hunt uh, is probably a waiver guy, perhaps John Merrill, although John Merrill skated really well so far, uh, maybe Clayton Stoner, although, you know, that's a guy that's probably gets probably going to clear. Um, you know, so I, I think they're going to make a deal before the season starts, which would only uh, get them to the point where they would only have to deal with two of these guys. Uh, I know Bill Foley told us that the cap would be around $60 million to start the year. They're about 69 right now. So do I think that they thought that they were going to be in a position where they were going to have an abundance of defensemen at this point? No, I don't think so. I think that, that McPhee overextended and over-exaggerated maybe what the market would be on defensemen. But there's still some wiggle room with camp uh, coming, you know, opening for most teams. And we know that there's going to be injuries. And, and of course, Vegas, uh, with a glutton of defensemen, would be the first team that any team would probably look to. Yeah, absolutely. You never want to see another player get hurt, but that's the scenario for him to get to the coverage back on uh, where, it was, let's say, a second pair of defensemen goes down from uh, Dallas, who's already kind of young on defense. Right. Um, that's that's where McPhee can up his price and, and go back into the market from a position of strength to where I, I agree with you that that he may have overplayed his hand on the defenseman and, and perhaps a couple of the goalies that were on, on the expansion list. If you had kind of evened your choices between maybe adding a couple goalies in lieu of a couple of those defensemen, you might've had a better market for yourself, but uh, I'm not going to criticize this franchise from day one. Um, they, they, from all, all appearances, Almost everything they touch so far is turning to gold, and I'm not close by any stretch of the imagination where George McPhee still has plenty of options available to turn those into gold as well. So, um, yeah, and keep in mind too, and and keep in mind too, from from a defensive standpoint, there's eight of these guys next year 
are either UFAs or RFAs. In fact, five of them are UFAs. So if right. George loses one without compensation, I don't hey, – look, you know, look at a guy like Jason Garrison. Even if they end up losing him, that obviously wasn't the focus point uh, of that deal. Um, but I, but they have, right. and I think you were alluding alluding to it earlier. There's there's 15 guys on this roster that are going to be UFAs or RFAs next year. So what we see here is nothing compared to what we're going to see next year. And these guys are just pawns in the game, like we've been saying from day one to get to where they really want yep. to be. Absolutely correct, sir. Um, and as always, sir, great talking to you. Um, we got Matt Pryor on the line to go through a little bit of the Central Division. Uh, real quick with you, since we got you on the line as a parting shot for the ninth, if, if they had a prop up on the, on the board and you could pick three teams that the Golden Knights were going to be in front of in the standings at the season end, and I went in there and said Colorado, Phoenix, and Vancouver, am I going to cash that ticket? I would say you have a really good chance of doing that. I mean, I, I, we, uh, we were, we were uh, uh, talking to a couple guys that they're going to do the uh, Vancouver games this year, and I almost asked the question. I said, you know, how many teams do you think the Canucks are going to be better than that? Which was going to be a loaded question because I, uh, I wanted them to hit the Golden Knights, but I, I just, I think the Knights have a real chance of being better than people think. I, I trust the sports folks in some ways because, you know, they're not putting a 70 out there as a, a token number. I, I think they, they they have the opinion that the Knights are going to be a better team. And they, unfortunately, in order to get to that 70 mark, they're going to have to win 30 games. And I don't know if they're capable of winning those 30 games, but I do know they're going to be a lot better than Colorado that, if I'm not mistaken, basically returns the same crappy team that they had last year. Yeah, pretty much. It's our Central Division preview, and I don't see us spending too much time on Colorado. So I think that one is going to be uh, – I, I, I like that pick. I like that pick. Dana, sir, I will see you in about 45 minutes to an hour uh, over at the at the training camp. And if you go on the on the Twitter feed uh, – for the for the arena, for the training facility there, they do have times posted. I can't pull it up right now. I'm just getting into the house and okay. in front of my computer. But uh, there is, I just I I did see there is a schedule posted for today. And I'll give you I'll give you a holler when I get there, buddy. Thank you for doing the show. Okay, guys, have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you next week, Anna. And now we're going to bring in our Central Division guru who. Contributes heavily to the hockey writers for the Dallas Stars and the Florida, <clears throat> excuse me, Florida Panthers, and and achieved the uh, Vegas Hockey Podcast Hall of Fame being in our introduction, uh, so to speak. Sir Matt Pryor, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me, and and I have to say it's quite an honor to be in the Hall of Fame. And if I had known that that this was going to come about, I would have worn pants today. Good thing you have a face for radio, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> okay, buddy. Uh, we're looking at the Central Division today. You guys can follow Matt on Twitter at BigText1926 um, for all of his Dallas Stars and Florida Panthers content. Today we're going to focus on his Dallas Stars expertise. And 
I, I believe for a couple reasons that Dallas is worthy of, of leading off the Central Division talk, number one. There's so much to cover with what they've done in the offseason that it, it, it deserves it. I know last season when we were talking about this division, uh, Chicago, St. Louis, Dallas, Winnipeg, they'd all gone through what almost seemed like many rebuilds in the offseason. And, and aside from Chicago moving Panarin, I think Dallas, uh, even, even including Chicago moving Panarin, I believe Dallas has made the most impactful, significant moves in the offseason, perhaps in the entire NHL. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, you know, I honestly, I would say the only team that comes close in terms of, of significant roster changes is Vegas. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Dallas, there you go. <laughs> Dallas had a huge, huge off season, and and Jim Nill, I have to say, he really knocked it out of the park. I mean, every need the Stars had, he addressed in order. You know, starting with the coaching change. You know, right after the regular season, Lindy Ruff's contract was up, and so enter Ken Hitchcock. Then the Stars need a goalie, so he goes out and he sends a fourth round draft pick to the Kings for Ben Bishop and and lo and behold on July 1st here here comes Martin Hansel and then a couple days later there's Radulov and and then of course getting ex Golden Knight Mark Mathot uh that's another huge <laughs> acquisition that that the team is really going to benefit from so i i think Nil did everything he could to set this team up for success this year and now it's it's on the players and coaches to make it happen but i want to obviously obviously the the biggest i mean the two glaring weaknesses uh even the western conference final team notwithstanding has been goaltending and defensive depth with this franchise for a number of years um, ever since bringing in Miami at that ridiculous cap hit that they did, um, that that to me bringing in Bishop and I was I was hoping that Bishop would be the Golden Knight um, didn't work out that way, but to to bring in a two times as in a finalist, still still a young man, uh, you know Cub Finals experience, all all of the things that you look for in a franchise goaltender. That that need is addressed. Um, I, I wanted to specifically get your take on what Mark Mathot is going to do to free up Klingberg as as sort of his safety net. As he he's very familiar with that role, uh, backing up Carlson for all these years. Um, what what is what is that going to do to let Klingberg take his game to the next level? Well, you know, I you used the key phrase right there, safety net. Um, Mathot, because of his experience with Eric Carlson, uh, I think it's going to be a very easy transition for him uh, to to riding shotgun with Klingberg, and I believe it's going to give Klingberg the confidence that he needs to to try things to to be more creative with the puck knowing that Mathot is going to be there to cover for him when things go south as they will from time to time 
and uh, sure, it, it's it's going to help Klingberg take the next step. Uh, you know, he's he's already the best offensive defenseman the Stars have had since Sergei Zubov. Uh, but he's he's not at Zubov's level yet. But even Zubov, as much as as the Stars and their fans loved him, the guy was good for one egregious turnover every game. Uh, that was that was one of his trademarks. But but you could forgive that because of all the great things he did with the puck. And I, I can see Klingberg moving in the same direction when paired with Mathot. So that's a, that was a huge get for the Stars, no question. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you were if you were to look ahead and crystal ball this thing. Um, one more on the stars, and then I'll bring Chris in, and we'll look at we'll look at the Hawks and the rest of the teams in the division. Um, Radulov only scored more than twenty goals one time in his career, and he's now uh, in that upper echelon of salary and term on the team. Um, is this does this work out, or is this short term? And then you're gonna you're gonna be in a kind of a, a bad deal, hard to move contract situation. You know, it. I think it's too soon to tell because we we haven't seen him skate with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan yet. But but I believe that's sure. where he's going to end up. And um, I I think in the end, if if all of these moves result in the Stars bringing the Cup back to Dallas for the first time since '99, I think in the long run, no one's going to care about the last half of. Radulov's deal. Um, on the other hand, you know, if it if it doesn't work out, yeah, the last last two or three years of that contract could be painful. But but as of right now, I don't I don't have any indication that 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 might be the case. Uh, I think we're just going to have to get into this season and and see how they look. Is this the team that can? win a Stanley Cup in the next three years? I, I really believe so. Uh, I, you know, two years ago, they they finished atop the Western Conference, and and they did it with suspect defense and goaltending. And I think what we're going to see now is the right combination of players and coaching, you know, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Ken Hitchcock, but I think bringing in Rick Wilson as assistant is is equally significant because, you know, he was Hitch's assistant in St. Louis, and and St. Louis last year, I believe their penalty kill was ranked third in the league, and the Stars, of course, they were 30th, I believe. Um, Certainly, no higher than 29th. I'm pretty sure they were 30th, and that's going to change. And you know, Wilson was was Hitch's assistant in his first stint with the Stars. And uh, Craig Ludwig said something when when these hires were made. He said, "With Rick Wilson, every defenseman is going to know his role. He's going to know where to be on the ice at all times, and that's." And, and there's going to be accountability, and that's not something that you saw a whole lot under Lindy Ruff. 
uh, it was it was a different regime, a different system, and I think the team as a whole is going to benefit. And uh, I I think there is tremendous potential for really good things the next few years in Dallas. All right, all right, I, I agree with you. Before. I don't want to give away. We we'll do our picks later in the show, but uh, I, I I think where two years ago or last before last season, I was not a fan of the moves that were made and not that I'm any sort of guru or anything, but the, the results bared out on the ice. And a lot of that was, was caused by injuries. Don't get me wrong. Um, I am a fan of what Dallas has done in the off season. And I do look for them to be at or near the top of this division. Um, I think the perennial powers of the division have some holes, some of them self-inflicted, some of them uh, just cap casualties and, and time. And I think Dallas might be right place, right time in this division. We'll get more into that at the end of the show. Let me bring in Chris. I know we got to get uh, moving along off the Dallas Stars. I appreciate your expertise on that franchise, though, sir. Very well done. Chris, let's move on in the division. Uh, who do you want to do next, sir? Yeah, I want to talk to Matt about the Blackhawks. And, again, everyone, you can follow Matt. At, uh, uh, he writes for the Hockey Writers. He's a senior writer on the Dallas Stars. Also pitches in with the Florida Panthers. You can find him. Give him a great follow and check out his articles. You can find him on Twitter at BigTex1926. Uh, Matt, it's been too long, but let, let me start off with this one for you on the Blackhawks. Uh, am I crazy, Matt, but with the lack of depth on the blue line, Questions in in goal after Crawford, the loss of Marion Hossa for the year due to his situation, the questions of, in terms of their secondary scoring and the division that they're in, that the Blackhawks could miss the playoffs this year. Am I am I crazy for making that statement? Well, you know, you're you're stealing my thunder. You're you're taking away my bold prediction, Chris. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> No, I really, I say you are crazy. Uh, well, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head uh, all the way down the line. The Blackhawks, they are, they are thinner at forward. They're thinner on D they're thinner in goal. So, uh, you know, you can, when, when you talk about keys to success for, for any team in the league, of course, being healthy is key, and we saw with Dallas last year what happens when the the injury ninja strikes repeatedly within a short period of time. It's disastrous. But with Chicago, they don't need multiple injuries to to fall off a cliff. They just need to to suffer injuries to any of their big guns. You know, Kane, Taves, Keith, and Crawford. If if any of those four guys are out for an extended period of time, they are in real trouble this year. No, I agree. I mean, I don't, I have to, you know, uh, they're going with an AHL, they are going with an AHL goalie as their backup. I mean, maybe, maybe he's ready for the NHL, but uh, um, they got in the, uh, in the side trade, but uh, I think there's some serious questions there. And this one, you might think I'm crazy, but I tell you, I am really high on the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, the way I look at it, and again, you tell me if I'm crazy, I, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. You know, believe it or not, they, they only missed the playoffs last year by a few points. 
Um, uh, granted, Steve Mason is not Ben Bishop, but he's a huge upgrade over uh, Pavlik. And if Hullabuck can can get a little bit better, and now maybe with Mason there, he might not feel like, you know, the, the whole franchise is on his shoulders. Uh, you, you know, remember, too, they didn't have Jacob Trooper the first two months of the year due to his contract situation. Uh, you know all about Dmitry Kulikov, which I think was kind of an under-the-radar free agent signing. And, you know, we're, um, imagine if Joe Amara, Marco Danino, and um, Kyle Connor, guys like that can really be strong in terms of secondary scoring with their first two lines uh, where this team could be. What is your thoughts on the Jets? Uh, should I be as high as on them? Am I giving the glass way to have full picture or what's your thoughts on the Jack? Well, you know, as, as you're talking, Chris, I'm, I'm looking at uh, my, my notes that I produced in preparation for this show. And, and I don't recall sending you a copy of my notes, but, but you <laughs> uh-huh. seem to be reading. We think, from a, we think a lot, except yeah. when it comes to the, the Islanders. Yes. Yes, and and you know as far as that goes, all I'm going to say is Trocheck was tripped, and it should have been called. But <laughs> that aside, coming back to coming back to Winnipeg, I I agree with you. I I think you you've got in in the Jets a young, exciting and and huge team. I mean, here's here's a fun fact: the Jets have six forwards and four defensemen. Who are six foot three or taller? Uh, they they're just an enormous team physically, and they've got the talent. I mean, with with Line A and and Shifley and Wheeler, and uh, and the defense, like you said, Truba. Uh, you know, I was not sold on Jacob Truba when when he was uh, holding out. You know, wanted to be traded and and all this. Uh, I I thought okay that. The guy's contract demands are ridiculous. He's he's not he hasn't proven himself yet. He's not worth what he's asking in in my mind. But once he started playing, um, and I saw him in action, I was sold. Uh, so the really the only question now, where Truba is concerned, is can the Jets keep him? Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think bringing in Steve Mason was a great move it's it's a bit of a gamble maybe but but overall i think mason is going to shore up the goaltending position he's going to take some of the pressure off hellebuck and and having a a competent goalie is going to breed confidence throughout the team and so yeah i i suspect that when April rolls around, they will be in the playoffs, and Chicago will not. Before I get you, I have a one last quite big question for you on the rookies, but before I get to and kick you off, Mark, uh, you know Kulikov well from his days in Florida, and obviously the Jets, you know, as well as they played offensively last year, they obviously need to, to find, tune things up, if you will, in their own end. What do you think Kulikov, I know he didn't have a great year with Buffalo last year. He was injured a bit a lot. But a healthy Kulikov, what can he do for this Jets team? Uh, a healthy Kulikov is, is going to be defensively sound. He's um, He might not be as much of a 
two-way defenseman as as they might like, but he's he's going to be sound in his own end, and he, you know that of course was an issue for Winnipeg last year. They they scored um, on par with some of the top teams in the league, but they also allowed far too many goals. And so the combination of Kulikov and Mason, it's it's going to cut down on their goals against, which is going to translate to more wins, more points, and and again, a playoff berth. So in a nutshell, Kulikov is going to help them take a step forward and into the playoffs. So before I kick you back to Mark there, Matt, I can doing my uh, prepping for the season. Uh, it was interesting as common theme kept kept coming up and. I counted a number of guys in the Central Division who are going to be rookies this year, uh, who who I think could have an impact. Uh, you know, I'm curious how you feel. Do you have two or three guys everyone should watch out for in terms of young guys, young rookies in the Central this year? I do. Uh, I I think. Uh... Well, for for starters, in Minnesota, uh, Joel Erickson Eck, uh, he's a center, and uh, he's it looks like he's going to probably center their third line, and uh, so he probably won't put up the points uh, he could otherwise if he were say playing wing in the top six, but as third line center, I think he'll make a greater contribution to the team, and he's he's. High, highly skilled he's a playmaker and he's minnesota's future top line center and he's going to be exciting to watch and and i would peg him as a calder candidate um with uh chicago alex debrincat yeah uh, you know highly skilled winger um and from from what i'm hearing and reading it sounds like he could end up on patrick kane's line and if so, you know, we, we saw what that did for uh, Panarin last season. And so Debrincat should benefit from that. Now, having said that, I think perhaps playing on Patrick Kane's line and, and the benefit of doing so may push him to the back of the Calder line. But I think he's he's another one to look out for. Uh, and, and also... Calder or no, playing on Kane's line should make DeBrincat very attractive to fantasy GMs. Um, and the uh, the third rookie to watch is uh, Julius Honka of the Stars. Uh, this this kid is incredibly talented. He's unflappable, and <clears throat> he is he is occasionally feisty. Um, he could actually, in the long run, he could be better than John Klingberg. And uh, I would say for Honka, a 40-point rookie campaign while playing on the second D pair and the second power play unit is quite possible. And I would, I would go so far as to label Honka a dark horse Calder candidate. Well, I'm going to kick you back to Mark. I'll probably have one parting question, but Mark, I left you uh, Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis, so uh, ask away here. You, you don't want to break down the Avalanche, is that what you're saying? Oh, that's right. I forgot uh, Colorado. Uh, that's right. I'm Easy to do, sir. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, I think you, you Colorado the, 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 I, I think they, I think they're on the clock, by the way, for the twenty eighteen draft. Yeah. I'm not I'm I wouldn't be surprised, sir. I won't be surprised. We're not gonna spend too much time in Colorado this time around. Um, but I did want to get up to Minnesota because aside from Dallas, they have quite quite the number of, of roster changes this year. They came out of the gate last year on fire and were were you know, leading the division well into January and up up to the trade deadline were very competitive and fell off a cliff. Um, Dubnik's play went down. I think he was get, letting in half to, to 0.70 more goals per game after the goalie pad change uh, than before. And I don't know if that was attributed to what was going on in his head about the, the goalie pads or whether it was the smaller pads themselves. I think there's the question of, of can Dubnik bounce back from the way he finished the season? Um, they, they've they lost a couple of long-time Long-time Minnesota Wild players, Palmonville, uh, big hit on defense, Marcos Gandela, who, who many thought may have been picked up by uh, Vegas. Instead, they, they took Eric Holla and Alex Tuck, who, who are gone. Darcy Kemper's gone. There's, there's quite a roster turnover there. Boudreaux's going to have um, his hands full in his second season there. Um, are they a top three team in this division as currently constituted? I don't think, I mean, I, I like, I like bringing in uh, Matt Cohen for sure. Minnesota boy comes home, three Stanley cups in his pocket. You bring that into the locker room where I would argue that's one of the things this team has been missing over the last few seasons is that type of experience. Uh, you guys both gone big on having cup experience in the room and what that does for all the other players around them. And their core is getting older with, you know, Parise and, and Suter um, locking up huge portions of that salary cap and have not be, been able to get anything done in the playoffs. Um, what are we to make of this installment from the Minnesota Wild now? Well, you know, I think they are mm, – they they definitely did not take a step forward this summer. Um it remains to be seen whether they actually took a step back. Uh, I, you know, I agree with you. Moving Pominville, uh, losing Scandella, losing Halla uh, might actually be the most significant short-term uh, loss. That I think they might feel that one more so than any of the others this season. Uh, long term, right? But com- combine that, combine that with losing uh, losing Martin Hansel too. Depth at center is going to be a problem there. That's true, and that's that's why uh, Erickson Eck and his adjustment to the rigors of the NHL schedule is going to be key uh, because he's he's got to center the third line, and if if he wears down, you know, because I, I believe this is going to be his first. 82 game season. If if he wears down, as a lot of rookies do, they're they're going to have problems. Uh, or if if Koivu or Stahl get hurt, and he has to step up into a top six role, um, is he going to be ready it? for that? And uh, right. So so yeah, their their center depth is questionable. Um, 
I, I I think they're still pretty strong on the wings, but but uh, Parisi he's got to rebound. Uh, last year was his worst season since his rookie campaign. I mean, points wise, yeah, uh, his lowest production since the 05-06 season and over the last three years he's missed 33 games and his production has dropped an average of 10 points per season over that span so he's he's got to turn it around especially for what they're paying him and and for the number of years remaining on his deal and uh, yeah and then of course the minnesota's defense uh their their top four the their top four is solid, but their third D pair is questionable. And and we saw with with Nashville last spring when when you have to to rely so heavily on your top four, if if you feel like you can't trust your bottom D pair uh, in the playoffs, and especially if you get into overtime games and get into multiple overtimes. That's that's a problem. You've got to be able to trust that third D pair, and uh, they've they're, they're going to have uh, Quincy Murphy, Riley, and Olafson battling in camp uh, for the final three spots on defense. And it's anybody's guess as to to who ends up on that third pair and who the seventh defenseman is. We'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, I, I think they're going to be a playoff team still, but. Um, I don't necessarily see them in the top three in, in the Central Division. And for a second there, uh, I think you were going to sing the praise of the Vegas is Alex Tuck. But, uh, but getting getting Holla and Tuck out of Minnesota uh, when most prognosticators had him taking Scandella or Dumba or, or you know, one, one of those two guys. Um, what do you make of them going center center forward with uh, those two players to Vegas? And what 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 do you, what can you tell tell us about uh, Alex Tuck going forward? Uh, well, I I think Halla and Tuck are are great pickups for the Golden Knights. Uh, I think they're I they're going to benefit this season from from Halla. Uh, I'm guessing he's going to be on the third line and and he can play center or wing uh he's he's a good uh physical presence he's got a little bit of skill he's defensively sound uh so he's uh, he, he's the type type of player that uh, a lot of teams most teams would love to have on the roster uh so that's good right up. now alex duck i He's highly skilled. I haven't haven't seen a whole lot of him in action, but I, from what I've read, highly skilled. Um, I, I'd like to see him playing in Vegas this season. Uh, I think that would be very interesting, and and I think the fans are going to really like him. But hey, if he if he needs another year before coming to the NHL, so be it. I I think he will benefit, and the team will benefit as well. But that's that's another great pickup for Vegas. We can we can see um, you guys touched on it a little bit earlier. We could see we could see Minnesota take kind of a significant step back this year. I think, and if 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 your prognostications on Winnipeg bear fruit, um, I don't think it's 
out of the realm of possibility that Winnipeg, you know, if you, if you miss the playoffs, you got to look at someone who's going to miss playoffs in front of you to, to advance, right? This could be a team in, in the central that falls. Maybe it, it, depending on if Dubnik can, can rebound, um, this could be a team that, that goes from end out and opens up a, a playoff spot for some of the other guys in the division. That's uh it's interesting team to look at, Minnesota. I'm not really sure where I want to go with them yet. But um, well, let's go to our Western Conference representatives, uh, Nashville Predators, who gave Pittsburgh all they could handle despite being basically down their top two centermen um, and and eliminated the Ducks uh, in spite of losing their centermen. Uh, Ryan Johansson in in that late in that series, uh, we're still able to to close the door on the Ducks. Um, I don't know if that's more of a statement about the Ducks and where their goaltending is, and, or just how deep and good this Nashville Predators team is. Maybe a combination of both. Um, they had some significant some significant players that won't be back. Uh, Neil's in Vegas, uh, but then they brought in some some players that make the defense already. Uh, already one of the best defenses in the National Hockey League. Better they bring, bring Alexi Emelin, former Vegas Golden Knight. Um, is this a better squad than we saw last year, despite the subtraction of, of Neil and a couple of the other guys? Uh, you know, Nashville's another one. I I don't know exactly if they're going to be better, but I don't think they're going to be any worse. Um, like you said, uh, Neil is gone. Neil is gone now, but but I think Kevin Fiala, if he can be fully recovered from his horrific injury, uh, yeah. Frankly, I'm I'm stunned that that he's going to be able to play again. But if he can put that behind him and be a hundred percent, I think he can more than make up for the loss of Neil. Um, you know, they moved uh, Colin Wilson, another forward, uh, moved him to Colorado. Uh, but, you know, he had consistency issues. So he gets a fresh start in Colorado. And uh, they're, I think they're essentially replacing him with uh, Pontus Auberg. And uh, I think Auberg is going to be a good one. I was really impressed with him in the playoffs. Uh, he's He's got a lot of high-end skill. And, uh, you know, of course, Mike Fisher retired, and they replaced him with Nick Bonino. I, I think that's a fantastic pickup, and and of course they brought in Scotty Hartnell too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think the Predators they they have long been the NHL's pickup truck. You know, they're tough, dependable, but gotcha. perhaps lacking speed and high end style. And uh, what we saw last spring in the playoffs. Uh, is that the Predators have evolved, and they've they've still got that toughness and that dependability, but now they've got considerable speed and style in in Forsberg and Arvidsson and Johansson and and so on. And so I, I think they're a very dangerous team, uh, even with with Ryan Ellis being on the shelf until around January first. Like you said, they brought in Yemelin, uh, and uh, I think I think they're going to be solid. Uh, the the only question I have, really, uh, other than Fiala's health 
and an ability to return to form and progress is how quickly they can put last season behind them. You know, you you always talk about the Stanley Cup sure. hangover where where the cup winners are concerned, but for the the runners up, it's an issue as well. And the Predators play four of their first 10 games and seven of their first 20 against Central Division opponents. So if if they don't shake off that post-cup run funk soon, they could find themselves in a hole within the division. It's not something they can't overcome, but I think it may be enough to keep them from finishing first in the division. Um. Yesterday, the news came that Ryan Ellis was going to be out three to four months. Um, one of the deepest decors in the National Hockey League and also uh, maybe the best puck possession, puck moving combination of defensemen that they have in the National Hockey League as well. This, this team is probably one of the one of the teams you would say is, is most able to absorb a loss of of that magnitude for that long a period of time. Um, does, does that slow them down at all? Or do you think just the structure and system, uh, Coach Laviolette is, is just going to absorb it. Someone's going to step up and off they go. You know, I, I don't think it's going to slow them down that much because uh, like you said, they've, they've got so much depth on the blue line, so much talent there in Subban and Yossi and Eckholm. And, and bringing in Alexei Emelin, uh, I, I think I think they're not going to uh, feel that loss as much as a lot of other teams would. And and the fact that he should be back around January first, uh, that's that's good for both him and the team because it gives him plenty of time to get back up to speed uh, before the playoffs. Uh, now, if if for some reason he's out later, and I, I was, I'm still a bit unclear on when he had the surgery because they, uh, I read that he could be out four to six months, and then they said January 1st. But if if he just recently had the surgery, he could be out until as late as March 1st, and and that that right, might be a bit of a different story on that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, assuming he comes back January 1st, it's plenty of time for him to get back up to speed and and for the team to make adjustments. Then you bump Emlyn down to the third pair, and and I think, you know, Nashville is going to go into the playoffs with, unlike last year, with three D pairs that they can count on in virtually any situation. Yeah, barring injuries, I think you're right. Um, and I don't, I don't see anything, anything, you know, Neil the leader in the room. But I don't, I don't see a lack of leadership on that club. Don't get void for that. But even with Neil being in base, so um, I, I think the catfish might be playing again shortly in Nashville. Let's move on. The last game I want to get to is St. Louis Blues. Um, pretty easy to break down their off season. Um, I guess their main addition is Braden Shin. I mean, he's a, he's a nice 50, 60-point player, 50-point player. Um, he, he brings a little bit of two-way, two-way grit with him, too. Um, losing Ryan Reeves, Jordan Leterra, and David Perron 
and Scotty Upshaw, uh, I believe that bringing in uh, Brady Chan, Bennett, and and from You're breaking up there, Mark. maybe am I breaking up? I think this might yeah. be a team that is also headed in the wrong direction, Matt. Uh, yeah, there. I think bringing in Shin was was definitely a good move. You know, one of the issues they had last year was was the inconsistency uh, scoring wise uh, among their forwards and their centers in particular. So I suspect Shin is going to play center in St. Louis and that's going to help. Now they also have an issue I think of being being thin on the right wing because after Tarasenko uh, it looks like they're going to have Barbashev, uh, Yaskin, and Bennett uh, down the right wing and uh, Barbashev played what 30 30 some odd games last year. Yaskin is is a in to my mind he's a bottom six winger. Bennett's a bit of a wild card. I don't know that he's reached his full potential yet. So can those guys get the job done? If Tarasenko gets hurt, of course, I think they've got real problems because uh, he scored 39 goals for them last year, and uh, Patrick Berglund was second on the team with 23 goals and no one else scored 20. So uh, that sounds like the that is an issue. Yeah, they're they're kind of uh I think with Tarasenko they're kind of a one trick pony and uh they'll they'll go as far as he can take them. Another another issue is the change in coaching staff. You know, Mike Yo, this is officially his team this year and they they brought in right a, a new staff of assistants to help him out including former Dallas Stars Daryl Sador and Steve Ott. But uh like I mentioned earlier with the Stars, Rick Wilson coached the Blues penalty kill and they were number 3 in the league last year. Can they maintain that with a new coaching staff? I don't know. I'm I don't know that they've uh well, let me rephrase that. They did not take a step forward this summer, but uh, I, I agree. I don't know that they've taken a huge step back, and the, the fact that they seem to be uh, healthy, I, I, you know, they're they're a playoff team yet again. They made the playoffs six consecutive seasons, and and I don't see any reason why they won't make it seven. Okay, Matt. Well, that that's gonna. Wrap it up, Chris. I know has has he wants to get your take on the, a, a little a, a short blurb on the Florida Panthers, Chris. Yeah, Matt. You know, uh, I I think obviously last year was a, a very disappointing season for the Panthers. You write about them as well. Uh, from afar, looking at it, you know, I'm a I know he didn't have a great year, but uh, neither did a lot of other Panthers. You know, losing Riley Smith and March Sound of Vegas in different ways and replacing them. With Verbata and Dandino, uh, I don't know if that's. I question if that's an upgrade personally. I know Ekblad should be a lot better. I know they lost Uberdo for half the year, and then when he came back, he was great. But the Longos a year older. Um, 
they're in the right division. I mean, if they were to me in the Metro or the Central, I would not feel like they'd have a good, have a good chance at the playoffs. But uh, try to convince me in terms of why Florida is going to make the make the playoffs in the East. Well, um, you know they they have definitely had an interesting off season, uh, like you said. I, I think Dale Talon spent the summer undoing as much of Tom Tom Rose's work as possible. Uh, and though I haven't heard confirmation of this, my theory is that losing Marcia So to Vegas in the expansion draft was really part of the deal to unload Riley Smith's contract because sure that, was, that's yeah. the only thing that's the only thing that makes sense about exposing a 30-goal scorer in the expansion draft, considering that only 26 players in the entire league scored 30 or more goals last year. So uh, those guys gone. Uh, my sense is that Talon would have liked to move Jason Demers too, but his his cap hit of 4.5 mil for this season and three more after uh, it's it's more than almost half the league could take on right now. Demers, for the foreseeable future, is still a Panther, and uh, with that in mind, I would expect little to no change to the defensive top six. Uh, there's been talk about Ian McCoshin cracking the lineup, but I, I really think you're going to see D pairs of uh, Matheson and Ekblad, Yandel and Demers, and then Petrovic and Pesic. Uh That's going to be your top six. As far as Luongo, uh, he's got hip and groin issues, and he's had surgery, and it, it's just one of those things that I think he's going to have to live with. I don't know that he's going to be 100% uh, for the rest of his career, and so I think this is the year we see James Reimer take over as the starter. So Luongo will probably still see 30 starts. Um, the the key is the replacements for Marcia So, Smith, UC Jokinen, and Yarmir Yager. And, and as you mentioned, Verbata and Dodonov, uh, I think uh, some guys to keep your eyes on, uh, in particular, of course, Owen Tippett. I think there's a good yep. chance he makes the team. Uh, he, he might be third-line right wing with Nick Bugstad at center, and, and the Panthers need Bugstad to be healthy and and put it together this year. This is, I think, a make-or-break year for Nick Bugstad. Uh, but another guy to watch, Henrik Hoppala. The, the, this, to me, is maybe the most under-the-radar signing of the summer. Hoppala was the leading scorer in the Finnish Liga last year, and and he is a first-class playmaker. He, he had uh, 15 goals and 45 assists in Finland last year, and uh, he's probably going to be on the second line with Trocek and Verbata. And if if he adapts to the NHL quickly, uh, I think he's going to be a big surprise for a lot of people. Uh, overall, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what rookie head coach Bob Bugner does with this bunch. Uh, I, I think it's really on him to construct a good system and get the players to buy in. And if if he can pull that off, then I think, yes, the Panthers could slip into a wild card spot. Oh, and you got Jackie Capuano behind the bench there, too, as an assistant. That's true. 
that's true. And I, I would love to ask him about uh, the the trip on Trocheck. That's that's my goal. <laughs> Before we let you go, real quick, give us your top. Give us who's one, who's two, and who's three in the central. Uh, I'm I got to go with Dallas at number one. Um, huge changes and and uh, all for the better. So Dallas at number one. I'm going to go with St. Louis in second place and Nashville third. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, that, folks, well hey, man, if, if you're going to if you're going to harp yeah, on on uh, Chris Chris about Trocheck and the chip, I'm going to bring up someone else's feet and where they shouldn't have been belonging. How about how about uh, Brett Hull's foot in the crease there, Mr. Dallas guy? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, huh? You, you watch the about, replay. About some feet. <laughs> you, you you watch the replay. He had possession of the puck. He kicked it to his stick blade. He had possession. It was a good play. It was a good goal. And and hey, whose but names are on the, the cup? But was in the crease, sir. That was doesn't matter where the puck was. But was in the crease. That was the rule at the time. Anyway, sir. Thank you very much for joining us on our inaugural 2017-18 cast. Really appreciate having you on, as always, sir. It's always a good time talking hockey with you. Make sure everybody follows Matt at Big Tech 1926 on Twitter. Or go over to com and look up all his Dallas Stars and Florida Panthers content. Not He's knowledgeable about the entire NHL, but when it comes to those two teams, I'd I'd stack him up against anybody. He covers them as well as anybody I've seen. So it's always a pleasure to have Matt with us, sir. We will definitely have you back as usual throughout the season uh, when circumstances in either Dallas or Florida Panthers arise. And uh, good luck to you and your squads this season, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Thanks, man. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, buddy. So, to, so we've gone a little long, but to wrap up, why don't you give me your top three for the Central, and uh, uh, I'll give you my top three, and then we'll set everyone up for next week. Um, doing my homework for this division, I, I'm, I'm, and it's not just because Dallas and and Matt were on. I really like what Dallas did in the offseason. Their biggest problem has been goaltending, and Ben Bishop is more than an answer, in my opinion. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big Bishop fan. I, I, I haven't made any bones about that over, over the over the years here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And to to solidify your goalie, not just by uh, finding somebody second stringer who could maybe come in and, and start or, um, you know, t- taking a, a chance on a, on a vet and, and hopefully being able to move the Emmy or what they, they, I think they hit a home run in that. And I really like what Dallas did with the rest of, of uh, I think Radulov with, with Ben Sagan could be the best highest scoring line in, in all of the national hockey league. Um, we've seen what Ben and Sagan can do when they're healthy and, uh, putting Radgloff there as well. Um, I, 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 he's only had one season. I said this during the show that he's only had one season where he scored 20 goals or more. I would look for him to have 30 goals this season. If, if everything works right in Dallas, uh, maybe not so much in a Ken Hitchcock season. 
Uh, but if he can get 25, 50, 60, you know what I'm saying? 25 goals, 50, 60 points. Um, and, and Bishop comes in and just plays adequate at, you know, up to his standard. I think Dallas wins the division. Uh, Nashville isn't really the regular season team, as you could say, the Washington Capitals, uh, their style lends itself more to the playoffs like the Kings did early in the decade um, where they make the playoffs on the second or the last day of the season. And then once they're in, they win the Stanley cup. Um, that's Nashville to me. Um, I still have them second place in the division. I think um, it may not be an exciting thing to watch as, as a la Dallas or Pittsburgh as they go through the regular season. But the the defense and well, if, if Pekarini stays healthy, he's a, he's 34 now, and he had a deep playoff run. So if he can come out of the gate fresh, and the and the team can get off to a good start, like Nashville in the second slot, and you, you guys are, are are quick to kill kill the beast. But I've said it before, um, you can't kill Chicago until Chicago is dead. <coughs> Excuse me. And I have Chicago in the third spot in that division. Um, I've won. I've I've tried to write them off. You know, every every year they're cap crunch and move this guy and that guy had to go and Sod's gone, Sharp's gone. Or Bufflin go back to all the years when they'd lost. You know what? Chicago finds a way. And I, I, if there was any other way to keep Panarin there to skate with Kane, I thought that was that was so much fun to watch those two players together last year and the dy- dynamic that they did offensively. Um, great, great to watch. Um, I really, I, I want to say, wish they would have found a way to hang on to that player and maybe that was change for change's sake and, and, and bringing Sharp back, who's, who's been injury prone in the last year in Dallas and, maybe on, on, on the downside, um, speed and skill-wise, uh, bringing that back in a veteran presence to help. I don't know if that's the right decision to go in Chicago, um, but Chicago finds a way. That's that's who they are. It's what they do. And I, it, barring injuries and, and whatever else you guys got into where you guys are both putting them out of the playoffs, Chicago finishes third in the division. Well, I'll go the opposite way to th- three. I see the Dallas Stars. Um, I think they're going to have a solid season, to say the least. Um, obviously, the key is keeping Ben Bishop healthy, um, um, yep. uh, to say the least. Um, you know, new system with Ken Hitchcock. There is a lot of young defensemen on that team. Dan Howhus, who's a veteran blue liner, is a year older. Uh, yep. Like you said, I, I, you I, talk I, about I, him. I see them come – yeah, see him, see them coming in third. Nashville, uh, very high on. They're one of the, uh, you know, they have as good a chance as any to represent the West in the Cup final. But this is a regular season prediction. You know, they had a very long year last year. It was a new experience for most of the people on that team. Um, so I, 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 you know, losing Ellis for the first half uh, of the season, give or take. Uh, I see Nashville, you know, contending for first place, but probably finishing up second and. I'm going to go against the grain from both you, what you, Matt, were saying. There are a lot of questions on Minnesota. But to me, you know, when you have a top – they have top six, Coyle, Grandel, Nord, or Coyles, Eric Stoll, Niederreiter. And then when you're looking at guys like Eric Sinek and even Parisi, 
you know, being on the third line and Foligno being on the fourth line. You look at their top four defense and Suter, Spurgeon, Dumper, and Brodine. And while Dupnik did struggle down the stretch, the whole team did. And if you look at, you know, obviously he was, uh, I believe he was a Vesna finalist. He had a tremendous year last year. So, uh, you know, in terms of the regular season, and also keep in mind, they didn't have to run the spring gauntlet they lost in the first round compared to Nashville. So I think they will be a little bit of a fresher team from that standpoint. So that in the end could be the difference of them, you know, winning the division. But again, at the end of the day, other than home ice, uh, you know, you know the, the bottom line is just finishing in your top three, if you will. It's really at that point sure. about home ice and potential matchups and how well that lines up. But uh, that's my top three. So uh, next week we will have Chad Dominguez of Grandstand Sports of the Beyond the Blade podcast, Buffalo Sabres uh, writer, podcaster. Uh, he'll break down the Atlantic. And, of course, Dana Lane will be back breaking down the Knights. And, uh with that, uh, I, I think we've had a great first uh, show to the to the new season, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod. Uh, go on, go to iTunes, uh, Vegas Hockey Podcast, all one word. Um, and and inaugural season launching with Grandstand Sports Net. Uh, follow them on Twitter as well, and as well with Russ Cohen Sportsology page. Uh, one last shout out. Uh, I was looking through our analytics here. We've got about 30 seconds left, but uh, Sweden has bumped up to almost 15% of our listenership. They were running around three to five uh, through most of last season. And I think the addition of Ronstrom through the draft, uh, 15% of our listens since June has come from our, our, our friends over in Sweden. So we are going to do some, some cool stuff for you guys. Uh, we're going to keep keep our eye on our, our Swedish prospects and keep you guys up to date with that as much as we can because we it, it's just fantastic uh, having having friends over in Sweden that that pay attention and you you know techno age of technology even even know who we are. So it's our next week I'll break down Linus Sonderstrom of the New York Islanders. Put put that in there and we'll do a special segment in breaking the ice. Uh, <laughs> Or, or we can put it at the end of the show. So uh, do do a little right. homework, and we'll, we'll have a little special teaser for our friends in Sweden next week. But for that, uh, we'll, we'll, next week we're probably going to go back to our same time, um, 11 o'clock, I believe, Saturday morning, Pacific. Uh, i got to confirm that with the boys. But uh, for now, we're going to tentatively set next week at, at 11 o'clock for uh, our Atlantic Division preview. So uh, until then, for Chris, I'm Mark. 